Precision Medicine holds great promise for treating genetic diseases such as certain types of cancers. To drive progress, Harvard Business School Executive Education has developed a new program, Accelerating Innovation in Precision Medicine, which brings together leaders from business, science, medicine, and technology to explore new models for advancing personalized medicine. The program takes place on the Boston campus in September. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me precision. That's hbs.me precision. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister look it was given Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to part two of my interview with Bobby Hamilton. And Bobby, there's a lot of things I want to get into tonight, so I kind of want to jump right into it. One of the things I wanted to ask you, through all the encounters I've had on the show, rarely is the smell ever reported. But when people experience it, it stands out from the encounter. And for people who aren't familiar with this topic, maybe wondering what I'm talking about, a lot of different researchers and a lot of people in this field theorize that these creatures have a scent gland. And when they're in fear or when they're angry or... Uh, when their body chemistry changes, they put off the smell. And so I wanted to ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you've experienced that? I had one incident um, when I got real serious into this. Um, I went over to uh, into Louisiana. A lot of people uh, knows uh, my hunting partner is Jim Lansdale and some property that was in his family over there. It was a little over like 1,526 acres, and it had several creatures on this property, and nobody had camped out on this property. Uh, I mean, Jim, you know, the whole time he had, you know, been with his wife and, and whatnot, I mean, it, at least that he knew of, he started hunting that property in the early 90s, or, or could have been the 80s, but I'm thinking the early 90s, 
he didn't know of anybody ever camping out on this property. And so I was myself and, and two other gentlemen was the first ones to ever officially camp out on this property. And, um, and Jim's like, Bobby, are you sure you want to camp out? He said, these things are going to come see you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm all in, buddy. And he said, you know, if uh, if you need me, you know, he goes, you know, try to get your cell phone signal and call me, you know, and I'll, I'll come down here. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, about, I think he's about 12, 15 minutes away where he lives from him. And I'm like, oh, we'll be fine. You know, it was a little interesting, to say the least. Um, we had... The first night we was there, I heard things I've never heard before. I mean, it, it was like a zoo, all the sounds that was, was going off. It was some of the craziest sounds. And one of them, if I was to take and point my finger directly in front of me and go clockwise, well, go from my, from my left to my right and just take and just start swinging my arm across at a, at a fairly rapid rate, off in the distance, something started making this weird, it was a goofy sound, and it wasn't a coyote. Uh, I mean, I hear coyotes all the time. This thing was making this real weird, goofy, yelling sound, and it was it was hooked up. It was moving extremely fast down one of the fire lanes going around the property. It, I can't tell you how fast it was going, but I can say this it could outrun a deer as fast as it was moving. It was fast. And, it, you know, it was at least a half a mile or more that it did it. And it was hooked up at a, at a very rapid rate uh, as fast as it was going. And I'm like, man, I ain't never heard nothing like this. Well, we was uh, uh, sitting there at base camp, and it was at the edge of this field, and the field a little bit bigger than a football field, and the rest of it was woods and, and um, real heavy, heavy woods and had fire lanes cut all in it. We was off, uh, there was a lane that went in on the right-hand side was a Hawthorne thicket, and we was to the left of the lane. We built a fire and then put the tent on the other side of that, and so you take the width of a football field, well, it was like that width to the other side of it, and there was big, thick patch of woods there, and Actually, I believe the other side of that patch of woods is where Jim, uh, when his first encounter, his first encounter was in the field where he had actually seen something uh, his first time. We're sitting there, and across the field in that one patch of woods, something is over there snapping limbs. You could clearly hear feet stomping, you know, shaking trees and doing all this, and we're sitting there talking at the fire, and it just keeps, it's just going on and on. And, I mean, it went on for a while, and, and 20, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more. I'm, I'm not going to name none of the guys that was there because I don't know if they want to be named uh, publicly. Um, I, I tell people in private, you know, but I ain't going to mention it publicly. Um, I, I'm like, you know what, I've had about enough of this. I was still on the fence about hunting them, you know, to kill one. Uh, Jim had told me, he said, brother, you know, cause I, you know, me and Jim had just actually met. He'd contacted me because he was having all the stuff on his, on that property. And he told me, he said, I get a chance. I'm putting one down. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, you know, I'll help you get it. I'll go with you, but I, I don't want to pull the trigger. Well, you know, course of encounters that was happening, uh, convinced me, you know, forget this, you know, I, cause I was halfway 
swaying back and forth. I couldn't make up my mind which way I wanted to go. And I always had a video camera and recorders, and, and I still carry them for research purposes. But, but um, and I always had a, a rifle and a pistol and a shotgun with me. And anyway, we're sitting there uh, by the fire, and one of the guys was really sick. He had a real, real bad head cold. And he was just, he was taking Sudafed, and, and he was just like, I'm so sick. And he was sitting there, and, you know, falling asleep in the in the camp chair close to the fire, and he was trying to keep warm. And, um, but, you know, he wanted to be there. He was a team player. And, and, um, and I felt bad for him, as sick as he was, because he didn't get to really have, have the experiences that we was having. And anyway, we've been sitting there, and, you know, we first started hearing all that snapping and, and, you know, the stomping and all this stuff. It's like, man, do you hear that? Yeah. And we listen and we're listening. And, and then, you know, it's going up by the fire and start getting warm again. And it's still going on and it's still going on and it's still going on. It's like, man, will they give up already? I mean, they can see we're not leaving. We're here. I mean, enough's enough. And I guess it's probably about 20, 25 minutes, uh, and I, I finally said, you know what, I've had enough of this. And that one guy says, what are you doing? I said, I said, grab the light and come with me. And I grabbed my thirty thirty, and I run across the field. I didn't have any flashlight on me at all. And I, that patch of woods wasn't as thick as the Hawthorne thing, because you could actually weave and work your way up in there at a fairly rapid rate. I run up in the woods for about 30 foot, and I stop. And you could hear it was two different creatures, and they was – running back towards the, the bottoms from where we was at, they was, you could hear them breaking stuff as they was, they was, they was hooking them. They was getting it. I had let my, you know, emotions get the best of me, you know, and my deal was, look, we know you're there. You know, we're here. You're making these noises. Either come out and show yourself or stop it. I've had enough. You know, it was just like put up or shut up time. But I run up into those woods and I could hear them running off, and that was a good distance away, steadily getting it. And and I hollered out, you know, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but if you can, you're a you know, chicken, you know, you know what? Right, and, uh, right. The other guy, the, I turned around, and the other guy, he was only halfway across the field. He didn't even run up in there with me with a flashlight, you know. And I stood there for a little bit, and you know, they was gone, and I and I come on back out, and uh, you know, I could see the fire and everything real good and the moon was lit real well and i'm like well, why didn't you come up in there with a flashlight he said man i wasn't running up in there i'm like why he said i just wasn't he said you know he goes i don't know what you was going to do i said dude it was put up or shut up time you know enough's enough well the night went on a couple hours later i'm sitting here you know we hadn't heard anything else it got real quiet and i'm sitting here facing the fire and out of nowhere, the hair, you know, when you, people say the hair stand up on the back of their neck, it, it, I had a tingling running up and down my spine. It was just running back and forth. And, and I'm sitting here looking at the fire and, and they're just contemplating all the night's events that had taken place. And, and then it, all of a sudden it clicked. It's like, wait a minute, something's not right. You know, you've got this tingling running down your spine for a reason. Something's not right. I turned my, my my face away from the fire to, you know, start getting my natural night vision back, you know, being able to see better, you know, because blinded by the firelight. But 
and I'm sitting here trying to get my bearings, and I'm like, that son of a gun's over in the Hawthorne thicket over here, and he's sitting there watching us. You know, he was he was watching me. I could feel him watching me, and that's why everything was going haywire, you know, running up down my spine. And it was just a tickling feeling. It's like your spine is lifted, and there's little tickly things running up and down where it was. It's just real weird, you know. It's just like you knew something wasn't right. I, I got up, and I, I grabbed a flashlight, and I grabbed... Uh, I think it's my thirty thirty. I don't know. I might have grabbed my shotgun, but I, I'm pretty sure it was my thirty thirty. I kind of stepped away, uh, probably thirty foot, uh, moving uh, back away from the camp, back up the field along the lane right there, and I got a slight whiff of something. I'm like, oh man, that ain't good. And um, I went back and I told uh, uh, this one guy. Well, the other one was sitting there asleep. He was sick. I said, hey man, you need to get up wake up because uh, both of them was asleep and actually another guy had joined us it was one of jim's friends and he was laying by the fire asleep anyway i, I got the the one guy up that was uh, in my group and i said you need to come with me and he said what i said there's one over here in this thicket we need to get a bearing as to where he's at you know i said i, I need you know i got a whiff of him but we need to see if we figure out exactly where he's at because he's sitting here watching us and uh he got up and and walked with me, and and uh, we got to where we got that slight whiff again, and he stopped. He says, oh, and he backed up. I'm like, well, help me get a bearing to where it's coming from because he's up in this thicket. And I walked forward about another five foot, and when I did, I hit the wall of smell. That whiff that we got wasn't nothing. You just got a slight whiff. I hit the wall of smell, and it was just like you walk into a brick wall, and, and it caught me where I was actually inhaling at the time, you know, just breathing in. And I got a whole set of lungs full of this stuff. I'm like, man, I backed up. I told him, I said, you need to come up here and get a whiff of this. He said, no, I don't. I'm like, yeah, you need to get a whiff of this. He said, no, I got a whiff of it. That's all I want. I'm like, yeah, you haven't got nothing. I said, you walk up there and, and hit that wall of smell. I said, buddy, that's, that's, that's bad. What did and, it? Um, what did it smell like? I know a lot of people talk about the smell, and I've never uh, really personally ever smelled it. But what did it smell like? Well, it's it has a uh, it's a it's a re- has a it's a couple of combination of smells to it. It's a real strong, strong, extremely strong urine ammonia smell. And uh, deer hunters will know what I'm talking about. Uh, the buck will sit there and pee, and he'll on the inside of his, like around the knee area of his of his hind legs, and, and he'll have these little patches um, of where, you know, it's, it's part of a scent gland deal, and you know, they're pretty strong smell, you know, I mean, it stinks, you know, because they pee on it, you know, pretty much their whole life, you know, and it's part of their, their scent, you know, for marking things. Um, that doesn't come close to it. I mean, it's it's like something had, and actually, we started coming out and saying, you know, which I did, I, I come out publicly and said these things had to have a scent gland to, to to release this smell on Will because they couldn't, you know, it wasn't there all the time. So it had to be a scent gland, and they had to be able to release this scent. Of course, the Internet had, you know, armchair researchers on there, and they're 
oh no, there's no way it can have a scent gland. It's it's never been proven to be in any of the eight family or whatever. Well, we're not talking about typical known creatures here. We're talking about an unknown creature. And and Jim, you know, said said yeah. And if it smelled that way all the time, it starved to death because you know it couldn't sneak up on anything because it'd smell it. You know, and and uh, which is exactly right. And you know, then they discovered that one of the gorillas, the lowland gorilla or mountain gorilla or something, has a scent gland where it can release scent. And it's like, uh huh. So there, you have one of your known apes that has a scent gland. You know, so you know, we're onto something here. Well, this this it's a real strong urine ammonia scent, like it's been peeing in a fold of skin or something for. 20 or 30 years and it's just sitting there just fermenting and getting just real rancid and rank but you take that that smell and you combine it with a oh if you have a raccoon that won't tree you know he'll live in a creek bank or something i mean just they stink they just they just have a nasty wild animal smell to them you put that smell with that real strong urine ammonia scent and that's pretty close to what this thing put out there. And I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, it and actually, when I smelled it, you know, the other guy, he wouldn't he wouldn't walk up there and get that strong whiff of it. I I backed up and said, uh, "We didn't see where he's at." He said, "Well, I think he's right over here." I said, "I think you're right." He said, "Well, the wind's whipping, you know, through there and coming out of that area." And coming right through here, I said, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, I, I backed up, you know, staring at this area and uh, got two camp chairs and put, you know, pulled them away from the fire and put my back to them. And uh, I had laid my shotgun across the camp chair to my left. And, you know, and I had my, my, my uh, 44 Magnum laying there with that. And then I had my rifle, you know, and I, in my hold my right hand, you know, on the lever and everything else. And in the left hand, I'm kind of just leaning forward in my camp chair. and I've got it laying across my knees, kind of pointing in that direction. And, and I'm just sitting there. And uh, this other guy said, what's the matter? I'm like, what do you mean? What's the matter? He said, uh, what are you doing? I've never seen you act like this. I said, I said, Evidently, you didn't smell what I smelled. He said, yeah, I smelled. I said, no, you didn't smell what I smelled. You got a slight whiff, and you knew that something was there. That's the smell that I had smelled and I told you about. You didn't walk up there and hit the wall of smell. The smell that I got when I hit the wall of smell told me that this thing isn't here to be our friend. You know, if he comes out of that, of that hall for a ticket, he's coming out to dance, and he's playing for keeps. And I'm not going to be sitting here, you know, looking into the fire and this thing hit me from the back and catch me off guard, it's not going to happen. You know, this thing, you know, the feeling I got when I got that, that strong whiff of stuff was, this is a bad boy. He is he is bad to the bone. And as Jim would say, he's the bull of the woods. You know, he, he is. I just think it's interesting how you're sitting there, you don't see anything, and then you get this sense like something's around. You get this feeling like, hey, I'm being watched. And I've had that before. But it's just kind of curious when these creatures are around for whatever reason, it's almost like we've dealt with them before in the past. And so when that kicks in, we know we're in danger. I just find that part fascinating that the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You haven't really seen anything. And then you get up to go 
check it out and, and you run into this wall of, sm- of uh, smell. Yeah, it's, you know, it, and, and, you know, I had never really thought much about it, you know, because, you, know, you know, going into this, you know, I read books, you know. Um, you know, when I was eight years old, you know, I was at a local uh, department store. It was a Gibson's department store, which is like uh, Walmart at the time. You know, it's not a Walmart, but it was like, you know, our Walmart at that time before the Walmart stores hit. I was there looking at some of the iron-on transfers and patches, you know, for make love, not war, peace, do unto others, and split. You know, we'd get them, we would iron them on our T-shirts, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at them, and, and to the left, there's, you know, a bunch of, you know, pocketbooks and stuff, and and there was this yellow book there, and it had a, a film clip running across diagonally, and in that film clip, there was this this creature, and it was this dark, black looking creature and it was walking looking back at you and you know that that image you know i i, I go up there a couple times a week because it was about a half a mile from our house i'd ride my bike up there because we ended up moving to jacksonville texas and when we left garrison and here i am four years later i'm at gibson's i'm looking over and i'm seeing this book and then and I don't buy no iron transfers. I go ahead and go back home, and, and I think about it, and that image kept haunting me. All that night, it haunted me and haunted me. Well, I, I got on my bike, and I went back. I, I bought the book, you know, and, you know, I I tried to read a little bit in, in it stuff, and, you know, talked about a few encounters and stuff, and that image haunted me. And I never really thought much about it, you know, until I got the book. But that was what I seen in the window you know, four years earlier, and my mind was processing, you know, hey, you know, there's something about that image, something about that image, you know, because, you know, we didn't have Bigfoot in 1969, you know. You know, I hadn't even heard of Bigfoot, you know, here in Texas, and and so my mind's trying to process this thing, you know, so I knew I was drawn to this book, so I got it, and then, you know, my mom, every every two weeks, she would go to Tyler, Texas, and we would buy groceries at Kroger's, and we'd go to the mall, and they had a bookstore in there. Well, I started going to the bookstore, and every Bigfoot book that they could that they had, I got my mom to buy them for me. And then, you know, I had them going into their little uh, computer thing they had back then, you know, and looking at or or whatever they looked in, and they would look in there, and they would uh, say, "Well, you know, we had this book by so and so, or this book by so and so." You know, every Bigfoot book that was out at that time, I had it. You know, they would order them for me, and we'd go back and pick it up two weeks later. And right, I had right. every Bigfoot book imaginable. I was just, you know, starving for information. I was trying to get answers. You know, and and, and what I found uh, when I got to actually do the field research, you know, yeah, I'm reading about encounters of other people, you know, but it's not telling me what I need to know, you know. But as a kid, I didn't realize it, you know. It's when I got older and started doing research, you know, I'm out there and, you know, we're working in the field, we're finding stuff, we're deciphering, you know, trying to, you know, well, what does this mean? What What is it doing here? What is this, you know, uh, the smell? I mean, you've never heard talk of a scent gland, you know. You, you've heard, you know, about somebody having a stench put on them, but, you know, nobody ever said anything about a scent gland. I'm like, well, it has to be a scent gland. You know, it can't, it, it has to have a, a, a way to release this at will to let you know, hey, you know, I'm here. You know, I don't, it, it ha- it's, it's got to be a nervous reaction that it has. If you get too close to it, it'll release it. But, you know, you talked about, you know, it's, that's, 
like that sixth sense type deal, the hair stand up on the back of our neck or whatever, um, you know, it may be something from the past where our ancestors have had encounters with these things or something and it's passed down, you know, through the bloodline to us because, you know, uh, your dogs don't want nothing to do with this thing. I mean, uh, and like uh, we found out, you know, through our research, you know, when they're coming up around the house and you have a dog that'll sit there and raise cane and bark in the woods and everything else, the biggest majority of the time that dog don't make it too long. They they usually take that dog out. I wanted to ask you, have you had an encounter during the day where you got a really good look at, at one of them in the face? I have seen some during the daytime, but it wasn't a real close visual. Since, you know, since I was a kid, that was the closest one I had. I did have a, a nighttime uh, encounter in Oklahoma to where this thing walked out, and it was about 90 foot from us. And you could see the, the, the moon was back from behind us shining in that direction, and it was over the trees from behind us, and it had came out, and it was about 90 foot from us. And... That creature was about between seven and a half to eight foot tall, and it was either a khaki color or a gray color. It was a, a real light color because he stood out. You know, it, it wasn't a dark color, but, you know, I, it had to be the hair and everything that from the back of his back to the front of his chest, it was at least two and a half foot thick, maybe a little bit more. I mean, it was massive. And I was just like, that's the first sighting I had when I got to actually doing field research was that sighting right there. And and it went up to its head. And, you know, you got the typical head that at the back of it kind of has a crest to it, like, you know, they call it the conical shape. But it was it was real thick. And, and it had to be thick hair coming off the head, coming onto the shoulders to make it look like the head and everything was the same thickness as the shoulder blade to the chest. I mean, because it just went up to the top of his head. And it was, this thing was massive. It was extremely massive. and Kind of of barrel-chested? Oh, yeah, extremely barrel-chested. I mean, it was thick. It was really thick. And uh, I had a video camera, and I started running towards it. Well, the sound was deceiving. When it started, when it came out, you know, you hear, because we had heard it come in, and I said, you know, and it and it made a grunt like a pig, and I'm like, that thing grunted like a pig, you know, and I, you know, I grew up hunting, and you know, it was hard being a kid hunting, knowing that there's things out there that's not supposed to be out there, and you know, it was really hard on me, uh, and it took me a while to get over going in the woods before daylight, coming out of the woods after dark. I mean, it was. It was tough being a kid growing up in a family of hunters. Um, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, after having that childhood encounter, it, it was pretty tough. My woodman experience and what I knew from, from hunting and, and stuff through all the years, we had heard this thing coming up, and it came up this ravine, and, and then it grunted like a pig. And, you know, we had heard whistles. We had heard wood knocks and whatnot. And uh, before this, you know, then it come on up uh, this as a dry creek bed with uh, stones in it. You heard a stone clack roll over as it moved, it stepped off of one part of it onto another one. Those stones rolled over, made a clack sound as it hit the other stones. And then, you know, we heard a few 
sounds as it came up this ravine to the top of it. And it's like, I think that thing's coming in over there. Well, then it grunted and made a pig grunt type sound. I'm like, okay. I'm, I just don't believe that's a hog over there. I mean, but it grunted, you know, it sounded like a hog grunt. We're sitting there and I've got full intentions of videoing anything I can because I'm going to share with everybody I can share it with, you know, hey, these things are out there, but, you know, this is what I've seen as a kid. This thing started walking and you hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And then you hear swish, 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 swish. And it come out of the leaves, the dry leaves and stuff. And into this one little area we was at, it was an area where kids would park. And, you know, teenagers would go out there parking. We was the only ones there. It was close to, to Lake Texoma. It come out of the uh, um, the leaves and stuff. And there was uh, some grass, uh, weeds grown up there about 18 inches tall. And it come out of that, and it hit those weeds, and you hear the swish, 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 okay? We looked to the left. Everything was, it was walking at a very fast rate. And the sound, by the time the sound was registering with us, it wasn't where it was at. Because we looked to the left, where the, where it had grunted and where it was coming from. And we're looking, and we're not seeing it. Out of my peripheral vision to my right, I catch movement, and I look. I'm like, there it is. I jump up, start running towards it with my video camera. Well, the guys that are with me are thinking that it's still to the left, and they, they run to the left. They, they're like, why is he going that way? You know, I, I'm going straight towards this thing. Well, I'm trying to turn the video camera on as I'm running towards it, and it turns and, and right as the camera goes on, it, it goes down into the ravine, and the camera hits, the light comes on, and all these trees that are growing by this ravine, all I got was reflection of all the leaves reflecting back from the light hitting them. And it was just like, dang it. Well, the ravine was extremely steep, and when I hit the edge of it, I had to grab uh, a tree to keep from falling. Well, this thing, it went crunch, 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 crunch. Not once did it slip. And there's no way a man could walk over the edge of this ravine and, and walk that steadily down it without falling, slipping and everything else. There was all types of dead, you know, dead leaves and everything. And the, this, the extreme steepness of this, it was, there's no way. And it just, it walked just as easy as could be down this ravine. It hit the creek bed at the bottom. I started walking back up, and you heard a few little st stones roll over and clack against other stones as it worked its way back up that, that dry creek bed. And, you know, when, when they noticed, you know, they run to the left, and they turn, and they seen me, you know, head, you know, and I said, there it is, and I jumped to run. They run to the left. Well, they turn and come over to where I was, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, y'all didn't see it. It was right here. And they're like, well, we thought it was over there. That's why we run that away. Well, we got to looking, and you could see in the grass where they had run around in a circular motion around it, you know. And, I mean, they went straight one way, and then they stopped. And they, when they realized that I was going this other direction, and they come back towards me, and they made a circular pattern to come back towards me. Where where this thing walked, you know, it had pushed down the grass as it slid, as it's gliding with its feet going through it. You could see the path that it took, you know, across there. And so, you know, we was looking with flashlights and everything. They're like, holy crap, 
this is where it came through. You know, you see where we was over here, where we ran, and where we came back, and you could see where this thing went through there. I'm like, I told you, this is where it was. I was, I was on it. You know, and, and you know, it it was uh that was my first encounter after my childhood encounter, and you know, my whole deal was I loved to video it, but the main thing was I wanted to see one again. You know, since my childhood encounters, like, well, if I see one, it'll answer so many questions. Wrong. Seeing one gave me more questions than I could ever imagine. You know, I, I, and so it's, you know, seeing, seeing it doesn't answer anything. It, it, it just lights a fire in the desire to know more because you, you, you don't really get to answer anything by seeing it other than, oh, my God, there it is, you know, and that's it. You're the co-founder of GCBRO. You have this show on Destination America, Killing Bigfoot. You've been researching this for years, and I, I like the premise of the show. Uh, you guys go out to situations to where people are being messed with on their property. There, people are having troubles on their property, whether it be uh, animals being killed or just general harassment. And you guys go out to this these properties to help people, because a lot of times the law enforcement and most people know this from listening to the show, most time law enforcement isn't trained for this. And so they don't know really what to do in situations like this. People call in a prowler. People call in a stranger on their property. Uh, so they don't really know where to turn to. And you guys head out to these properties to help people. Can you think of one time where you went out to a property, you thought in the back of your mind, yeah, these people need some help. There's some, there's some bad things going on here. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the lady and, and husband that's on the show um, that you've seen. I mean, there's another lady that lives next door to her. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of stuff going on there. We've been over there a couple of times, and Jim, he, he goes down there several times uh, a month. I mean, he, he on average, he may go down there uh, every week, but every other week for sure, you know, he's, he'll, he'll go down and, and spend some time there and, and checking things out you know, trying to keep things under control, um, you know, and then when they uh, um, are really acting up, you know, then we'll, we'll go over and, and, and try to hunt them and, and whatnot. They've, they've had a lot of things happen over there, and um, the ladies are, are truly terrified and scared. When Miss Shirley, when her husband is there, you know, there's not much going on. Uh, but whenever he leaves to go to work, you know, and he works offshore as well, um, when he leaves to go to work, you know, these things just, man, they're like, hey, we got a free ride now, you know, and, and that's when they start coming in and they bang on the side of the house and and, and whatnot. Um, the lady next door, she's an elderly lady. She won't even sleep in her bedroom anymore because they was coming up outside her bedroom window. And Jim's got them pictures of these things uh, where they he's got footprints under her bedroom window where they've been standing outside her bedroom window at night and stuff. And so she, she won't even sleep in her bedroom anymore. She sleeps in the living room on the couch. Um, we've got that place. Um, there's a place that I'm working pretty close to my home uh, where the lady, uh, they bought this property and they put a, a little small cabin there to start with and it's, so they could, you know, get their home, you know, built up and more and they're adding on to it. And, she started having things happen. She had some chickens and the chickens was coming up missing. The chickens would lay eggs all over the yard. Well, 
um, they, you know, her little, her little daughter would go out there and gather up the eggs and, and lay them all up on this stump that was, uh, right, you know, kind of beside her house. And I think there was like 21 eggs that she had gathered up and set them on this stump. And the next day, the lady went out and every one of those eggs was gone. None of them was broke right there by the stump. They was gone. And so she got to walking around the property looking and they was way back on the property busted open back there. She found the eggshells, you know, not the insides, but she found them busted up like something had cracked them open. But to do that, it had to carry these eggs. She's like, you know, because when I, when I met her and talked to her, she said, you know, I, she goes, I, I don't know what could carry eggs. It has to have hands to carry eggs. And I'm like, yeah, that pretty much makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, but she had this um, security light on the side of her little little cabin, and her cabin is off the ground about three foot, and then it's up just over the top edge of her, her back door. And she showed me, she said, look right there. She goes, you see the trash pile? I'm like, yeah. She goes, look at the bulbs in there. I'm like, Oh my God, that's a lot of bulbs. She said, yeah. She goes, look up at the light up here right now. She said, I just put that, that light in this morning. She goes, it won't be there tomorrow. She said, this thing is coming up and slapping the light out every night. It's slapping these lights out. And, uh, there's, they was just piled up in the trash pile. Well, I, I, I walked up and, and I, on the ground, I reached my hand up as high as I could reach. I'm six foot one and, if I stretch and stretch and stretch, I can pretty much hit the eight-foot mark with my fingertips, just barely touch it. Well, this thing was over the reach of my hand. I even got on my tiptoes, and I could not touch the bulbs that she's putting in there. And they're the big the big floodlight bulbs is what she's using. So this thing was taller than me, and it was knocking the lights out. I mean, it was hitting the lights and breaking, breaking completely out of the base, the, the metal part would still be screwed into the light fixture, but the glass part was out and it was slapping these lights out. Well, they had some hog dogs that was pinned up on the other side of the chickens and they got rid of the hog dogs. They, uh, she said, she said, whatever this thing is, it ruined the hog dogs. She said, those things are scared to death. They won't hunt anymore. They quit hunting. She said, they don't bark. They quit barking. They, they will not bark at this thing. And she said, um, uh, this other little dog that she had, it was like a, uh, a dachshund, you know, like like a weenie dog type dog mixed with something else, this little small dog. Well, they had a brush pile behind her house, and it run around there. She heard something, and she went outside, and she had, had a twenty two, a semi-automatic twenty two rifle with her, and the little dog run around the brush pile, and all of a sudden it made a, a yelp. She said the little thing, you know, she never heard it make a sound like that. She heard this thing. It grabbed it. She heard it made some noise. She, she, I can't remember the noise she exactly described, but then she heard, she heard the little dog. It made that weird yelping sound and she just pointed the rifle in the direction she heard the sound and she fired off several rounds real quick, you know, pow, 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 pow. And she said when she did, something screamed out and it goes back to that demonic sound. She said, she said it sounded evil. She said, it's the most evil sound I've ever heard in my life. Well, when it did, the little dog come running back around the brush pile. She said, I think I hit it, and it dropped my dog. But it run back around the brush pile, and 
both shoulder blades was split open and it had she said it was like slobber was all over the back it's like it had picked it up and was biting into it and then she cut loose with her her, her 22 and started shooting and then you know it dropped it and hollered and hollered and took off through the woods you know away from her and she said i don't know what this thing is i just want it gone well her husband was working out of town and he would be gone for a month to two months at a time, and then he would come in for a week or two, and then he'd have to go back. At that point, when she, you know, got in touch with me, and I went over and I started investigating, you know, in which I recorded some sounds over there that's real interesting. I mean, uh, it's it's chimp-type sounds. It sounds like a chimp making some sounds is what it sounds like. Um, her husband came home, and he got a job locally to where he wasn't out of town. Well, everything was fine, and everything has been fine up until just a couple of months ago, and then he got put on nights. So now he's working at nights. Well, when he's off work, it's not a problem, but when he's gone working, this thing's coming back up, and it's, it's harassing her and her daughter and um, her little nephew. She, she keeps her little nephew, and, um, she, you know, they're scared to death. And uh, she told me, he said, Bob, whatever you got to do to get rid of this thing, I just want it gone. I'm working with the guys right now, and we're, we're you know, preparing to, to do a hunt over at that location. And we may, you know, if, if uh, everything gets lined out and everything gets signed, the contracts get signed, you know, we may film us hunting over there, you know, if, if it gets done in time. But, but I'm working on doing a hunt over there, and that's, I mean, that lady's terrified. You know, she just wants the thing gone. Her her little daughter, she's about twelve years old, and she I mean, she's a little bitty dainty thing. And she told me, she said, she said, she said, Mr. Bobby, please get rid of this thing. She said, you know, I can't sleep at night. You know, she goes, I'm so scared this thing is going to be in the window looking at me and it's going to get me. And I'm like, baby, we're going to do whatever we can to get this thing out of here. You know, we're working on it. She's not far from my house. Um, if if I jump in my truck and I really hook it, um, I can be there in about 10 minutes, you know, down some back roads to get over there. And, of course, I, that's doing about 85, 90 miles an hour. I told her, I said, if this thing comes up and it's outside your house and you're, you know, and it's doing and it's acting up, you're scared, you can call me anytime. I will I'll jump out of bed, throw my clothes on, and I will be here to take to it. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. And she's been handling it so far. You know, pretty good, but she's like, as soon as y'all get here and, and, and try to get rid of this thing, you know, please come. And I actually went over there last week. It was making some sounds outside her house. And I showed up over there and it made two different sounds while I was there. I took off in the woods in the direction that it was, you know, so I'm like, okay, we're going to see if we can, you know, put some, you know, put our eyes on this thing, and, and I had my two sons with me. We took off uh, in the direction of this thing, and we went all through the woods, down the trails and stuff that it used and everything, and it, it pushed it off the property, and we hung around for a while, and, and um, you know, we didn't hear anything else. And, and when we pulled up on the property, her horses, she has some horses, they was at the front of the property on the, uh, west side, the, the, the northwest corner, and they was up in there in that area, and this thing was over on the um, kind of the not, it's more the eastern 
side of it. It wasn't so much northeast or southeast as more just the eastern side of it. And they was up in the in the, the northwest corner as far away from it as they could get. And after I, you know, pushed towards it and, and, and pushed it back, there was a hunting lease on the other side of her property. Uh, after I pushed it back off on that hunting lease going towards it and coming back, um, I noticed that the horses come back across the property on across the, the front up there and they was up on the southeast side and stuff and grazing around and eating and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we, we pushed the thing off, you know, cause the horses are over here now. They're not huddled up on that, you know, on that northwest side scared to death. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and that one little dog that it had, you know, had it, it had grabbed a hold of, it would, it, the whole time that it was in that one area and we heard it, it was under the house. Barking, 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 but it was under the house. It was back up and under there where, you know, you couldn't get to it. It wouldn't come out from under the house. And after we, we pushed it off and everything, it quit barking, but it was, it was going nuts until we, we took towards it. But, um, but that's just another one of the, the, the families that, you know, we're working with. Are you ever concerned? You know, there's so many stories about, like I can think of the Siege of Hanabi or the miners up in Washington State. Uh, where someone did shoot one, and then all of a sudden things got much, much worse. Are you ever worried about being on someone's property, taking the shot, killing one, and then kind of up and leaving, and now the the resident at the house might have bigger problems going on than what they had before? Oh, yeah, we, we've taken all that into consideration. Um, when that one was shot back in the early 2000s, like I said, um. I'm fuzzy on the years, but it was um, like the January following the World Trade Center, the September, you know, 11th attacks on the World Trade Centers. It was um, uh, like the January or so following that. So, you know, five, five six months later, um, it got kind of crazy there for a while um, on that property. It got, you know, a little, little crazy. Um, just a lot of stuff was going on. We pretty, you know, and, and pretty much from what we know, um, we've also become real good friends with um, a lot of people have heard of the siege at Hanobia up in Oklahoma, and um, you know, which is you know telling a story of a good friend of ours, Michael Humphreys and his brother, in which Michael's part of our team, and um, uh, you know, they had contacted another group that went up there, you know, because his brother had shot one. This thing was coming up to their house. And his wife and daughter were scared to death. This thing was looking in the windows. And, and so his brother shot one, and he actually dropped it. And he contacted this other group because there was like three of them, and, and two of them come in and, and grabbed it and took off with it. And, man, for, for months afterwards, you know, at least three months, um, Man, he, it was just, you know, the, the family went through a lot. You know, people don't realize everything they went through. Um, they pretty much had to stay armed to the teeth all the time and, uh, be on, on, on high alert because they was, you know, they caught a lot of, of, uh, flack from the other creatures over, you know, uh, Michael's brother shooting that one. I'm not going to say anything about the other group and other people involved. It was, you know, um, I wasn't there. Um, it, dealing with another group michael and his brother was very dissatisfied and they they didn't want anything to do with anybody they claimed to be a researcher afterwards because they was looking for help as to what had happened you know and um you know his brother and everything like look i need somebody here to help me you know i don't 
you know, I don't want to be the, you know, I don't, you don't need to be standing behind me. You're supposed to be the expert. You're supposed to be helping me. You know, they, you know, he just, he didn't feel like he, you know, he got what he had asked for. And uh, it was probably a year and a half, two years after that, he finally, you know, started talking to us and he come down and went on some, you know, on one of our hunts. And the first night there, you know, him and his brother both are like, Hey, you know, we wish we would have called you guys because, you know, we called the wrong group because, you know, you guys are the real deal. You know, y'all are getting out here in the mix, you know, and all this. And, you know, from what we've, you know, learned from these things, you know, you guys are spot on, you know, with everything that y'all are doing. And, uh, you know, we wish we would have called y'all to, to come up there, you know, when, when a uh, tug took the shot. It's like, well, you know, you know, I understand. I mean, it's just, you know, that's the way it happens. But, um, we pretty much, uh, come to the realization that if we're on somebody else's property uh, where they're being harassed by these things and we shoot one, uh, we're going to be pretty much prepared to spend three to five months there, you know, to deal with uh, the aftermath of what happens because it, it, if there's several creatures there, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy, and we already know this. So, And, of course, you know, after we make the shot, you know, we'll be having to, a couple of us to be there. Um, you know, and it's going to be at nighttime when the stuff's happening anyway, um, for the most part. You know, maybe some daytime stuff, but mostly it's going to be in the nighttime. A couple of us will stay, and we'll just be relieving each other off, you know, after so many days back and forth there to, to keep, you know, the family protected, you know, for the, the, the remainder of the time that these things are riled up. And, you know, we may have to, you know, take more than one. And, um, you know, if we do, we do it. You know, it wasn't the original intention, but if that's what we have to do, and that's what we'll have to do because, you know, everybody's safety is, is of the utmost importance here. I mean, yeah, we want to prove this thing exists and, and drag a body out so they can, you know, put it on a slab and examine it and, and give answers, you know, to all the questions that we have. But, you know, we don't want anybody getting hurt in this whole thing. And, and we, from day one, our whole deal has been about safety. You know, gun safety and, and, and everybody being safe and nobody getting hurt. I mean, cause, you know, we are in the woods at night, you know, we're with high caliber rifles and, you know, if somebody comes to our camp, you know, going to join up with us and, and they exhibit any unsafe, you know, firearm, you know, handling in any way, well, they're not allowed to handle firearms. And if they can't deal with that, then they just got to leave. I mean, they're pretty much contained to the, you know, being the, the camp person, you know, at base camp because, you know, we don't want anybody getting accidentally shot or anything. It's just, you know, safety is one of our biggest things. I'm glad to hear that, you know, in that situation, especially with the families, because I think that, uh, cause I interviewed Mike Humphreys, you know, I spent hours on the phone with him. And one okay. of the things that he always said to me uh, was, Hey, if you shoot one was be sure and chamber another round. Cause you're going to need it. You know, the aftermath of, of, when you guys finally get a body, pull it out of there, the family might be in bigger harm's way than that than when they were before. So I'm glad to hear that you guys follow up, stay there, make sure nothing else happens. And oh, I think absolutely. it's the best way to get one, to be honest with you. Why not take out an aggressive one? That's absolutely right. And that's, you know, that's the type that we're, we're trying to get. We're not, you know, uh, a lot of people have a misconception about what we're all about. Um, you know, we have the, um, we call them the, the Bigfoot romantics, you know, because they're so <laughs> in love and fascinated with Bigfoot, you know. Yeah, but, the flute um, players. You know, we, we've had chances to shoot, 
a female. We've had chances to shoot the young ones. And you got people, well, that would solve the mystery if you would have done that and brought it in. Yeah, it would have. But that's not what we're about. We're not trying to just shoot any creature. And our experience in dealing with these things, you know, it isn't like we've just seen them once or twice. We've seen them many times. And we've had many opportunities to take one. But the deal has been the whole time is, hey, guys, we're not here to shoot a female. We're not here to shoot a young. We're here to shoot an adult male. And you'll know the adult male when you see him, you know, and that, that's the whole thing. And, you know, these ones that show an aggression on these families and stuff, you know, it, it's a male and it's an aggressive one. But, you know, even if, if by chance it would have been a female, you know, if it's been aggressive towards, you know, humans and, and their property, well, sorry, shame on you, you shouldn't have done it, you know, you know, you shouldn't have come up here and messed with these people, you know, because if we get you in our sights, we're going to take you down. Yeah, you know, I didn't know Michael had, I had talked to you, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of that, I, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, at work, when I'm not at work, you know, I try to you know, get the field as much as I can, and like I said, I've got this uh, lady I'm working with locally with this stuff going on at her house, and, um, but yeah, Michael, he, he uh, he's part of our group. You know, he joined up with us, and if we go to um, if we go to series with our show, um, there's a good chance you may see him. You know, in the episodes as well. Um, you know, he's you know shows some interest in coming on board with us to do the film, and he he would have actually been in the the pilot episode, but um, you know, his dad was really sick at the time, and we're like, dude, you know, you take care of your dad, you know, because that's your family's most important thing, and. He stayed in Oklahoma with his dad, you know, spending time with him. And um, anyway, uh, so there's a good chance you'll be seeing him, you know, in the in the episodes that we that we you know hope we get to make here pretty soon. <laughs> what are the chances you think the government's going to step in and take a body if you guys? Um, I know you guys have contingency plans against that, but I'm saying if you didn't have those contingency plans and you shot one, what do you think the odds are the government would step in and take the body? My honest opinion, actually, it would not surprise me one bit if you got a body and you let it be known that you had this body, you know, hey, I've got, you know, who are the local paper post, you know, they're taking pictures and, and putting it out there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if within a day or so that you had somebody show up and they took your body. Um, you know, yeah, like I said, we've got contingency plans, you know, to try to, keep that from happening and you know of course you know when you got big brother involved you know if they want something they're going to take it regardless so you know we would we're going to try to keep that from happening um i can't take our plans uh uh but it's just some plans that we have um uh, personally i think that it is is very highly possible that that would happen and that's my honest opinion i tend to agree i appreciate you coming on the show bobby i appreciate you taking the time I've been looking forward to it all week and definitely wasn't disappointed. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate that. I was looking forward to uh, coming on here and, and talking with you and kind of making people more aware of, you know, about us and what we're about. I mean, because, you know, uh, when you just see somebody post on the Internet or you just see some, a website that they're on, I mean, you, you really don't get to get a feel for what the people are about. And everybody, you know, everybody knows that, anything in print can be taken out of context so easily. And, you know, this kind of gets me more closer with the people, you know, that are out there that are kind of wondering about us. Um, 
you know, and all they ever do is see us in print and, you know, they might have seen our show, you know, the, the killing Bigfoot. Um, but they still don't really know us. So the more we can get out here and, 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 you know, speak of our cause and, and more about us, it kind of, uh, brings people more in closer and, and personal with us and, and, and knowing about us and what we're about. And, you know, hey, um, if there's any conferences or anything that you hear we're going to be, be at by any chance, just, you know, come talk to us in person. I mean, uh, you know, we're all very personable guys. You know, we'll take the time to talk to you and, and you can get to know us one on one. I mean, we, we surprised many people in the past from being at conferences and, and they came and talked to us and, and they're like, wow, you know, you're nothing like what we thought it was like. You're just totally a different type of person. Uh, you know, cause we've been stereotyped as, you know, because of where, you know, we live at, you know, we live down south and, and we've been stereotyped as just crazed, drunk, redneck, you know, killers, you know, out spotlighting and, and everything. And uh, no, it's, it's further from the truth. And, you know, so if you get the chance to come where we're going to be anytime to meet us, you know, come meet us, you know, contact us through the website, you know, and, you know, for the most part, you know, we, we don't mind, you know, if our time is, is, you know, uh, available and, everything lines out right you know we we do meet people and and um you know go out on outings and and uh you know let people see what we're about i mean we're yeah we're not monsters we're just people out here just like everybody else we have a desire to to know more you know and that's that's the whole thing and you know we weren't getting answers from reading books so we took it on our own to to, to do this and this is this is where we're at so so come meet us get to know us and you know, don't just base your assumptions about us on what you see on the internet or what somebody else says. Learn for yourself. You know, talk to us in person. You know, we're we're here. You know, we're not going anywhere. So, so come on out and meet us. Yeah, well said. Thank you again. I sure appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. More than welcome. I really enjoyed it, and um, you know, I'll be happy to come back anytime. You know, just just give me a holler. i